Welcome to the USPAN Alumni Podcast. This podcast will focus on approximately 20-minute interviews with a range of professionals from the policy world. The goal of the podcast is to provide information about available career opportunities and advice for the community of graduates from York University's School of Public Policy and Administration. My name is Romina Cenceva, and I, gra- and I graduated with a master's in public policy, administration, and law from York University in 2015. My name is Georgette Morris, and myself, I'm also a graduate of York University's Master's of Public Policy, Administration, and Law in 2016, and I'm currently a student at Carleton University. And we're very excited today to have with us Antoinette Sarpon. Antoinette is a York alumna who knows a thing or two about change, having worked as a journalist, ESL teacher, and NGO project leader on four continents. Antoinette recently graduated from York's Master of Public Policy, Administration and Law, and currently works as a change management analyst with Ontario Ministry of Government and Consumer Services. She joins us today to talk about her experience with the Ontario Internship Program and how she's trying to make the world a better place, one conversation at a time. This podcast was prepared by the York University School of Public Policy and Administration Alumni Network, also known as USPIN, and Antoinette Sarpong um, in their own capacity. The opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of the School of Public Policy and Administration, the Masters of Public Policy, Administration and Law, and other associated programs and or York University in general. Hi Antoinette, thank you for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, let's get started. So can you please tell us more about the Ontario Internship Program and why you chose to apply to this program over other opportunities? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the Ontario Internship Program, in a nutshell, it's a paid entry-level job in the Ontario Public Service where recent graduates get the opportunity to work in a variety of fields such as um, human resources, policy development, or in my case, communications and uh you know (laughs) sort of a a bit of a happy coincidence i was kind of in the right place at the right time so a manager at what was then the ministry of tourism culture and sport recommended the program to me while i was interviewing her for a class assignment i was studying corporate communications and pr at the time at centennial college and i had to choose an organization and find someone to conduct an informational interview with so I was always interested in a career where I could be an agent for positive change. And I was also interested at uh, the time and certainly now as well, the arts, culture and sport. So I just sent an email to the manager and really the rest uh, was kind of history. Hey, that's really fascinating. Um, and as it relates, I guess, let's take a step back um, in terms of the, experience, uh, the recruitment process. What do you think uh, helped you most in securing that spot? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, you know, it's, I guess hindsight's always twenty twenty, as they say, but there's probably a combination of uh, proofreading, passion, and honestly, probably a dash of luck. Uh, so I, I think with the recruitment process, because it's done in several stages, uh, when I did it, there was an online application, then a written test, and then an interview with OPS managers. And OPS, we love acronyms in the government, the Ontario Public Service. Um, Of course, now it's done online, but at the time, uh, the written test and the interview were in person. And so one of the things that I think helped me in that uh, particular stage was the fact that I conveyed uh, a lot of passion and both 
in my you know, life experience and what I had previously done that I, I brought myself to the interview. And I also conveyed a passion for uh, work in the public service. I think that's very important to set yourself apart and show where you may effectively uh, be the most effective in an area if you were to be hired, right? So showing that passion. But as I said, in the um, online application, there is of course the uh, screening process where you have to present a cover letter resume and also answer a few short answer questions just to get to those written stages and interview stages. So in that case, I think proofreading. <laughs> proofreading really, really, really uh, was important. And I had several people look over my application. I think I had two teachers look over my application and even had another friend look it over. So I think a combination of things were really important in the recruitment process, which is long and involves several stages, but uh, proofreading and passion. And like I said, probably a pinch of luck too. Excellent. That's, uh, that's very good to know. Thank you for that. That, that was an excellent tip. I really liked your point, especially about the proofreading. Um, I think it's really, really important. Um, so it will be really helpful for our listeners to know what learning opportunities you received during the program. Yeah, I mean, there are so many. It's uh, I'm trying to even go back and, and rack my memory because you, of course, have so many uh, informal opportunities that they're almost too numerous for me to mention because you can be you know, paired with a mentor and, of course, have those formalized one-on-one um, -on -one sessions, but I found a lot of informal job shadowing was uh, available to me as well, just because people knew me and knew I was in the program. And uh, I think there's also, of course, the formal training opportunities available through cabinet office. They run a, a lot of uh, programming throughout the year on things, in my case, of course, being a communications intern, that were relevant to my field. So uh, something as simple as presentation basics, how to give a presentation, to how to actually write uh, some of the communications products. Uh, there were also a lot of uh, opportunities to get involved with OPS employee networks. So I mean, those are perfect uh, places to also learn. And uh, I got to lead groups myself working with uh, TOPS, which is the OPS um, network for new professionals, tomorrow's OPS. So there are so many learning opportunities that I had as an intern that were scheduled for me and um, that were part of my regular onboarding. But I also found that I probably learned a lot more just by being curious and asking people around me and taking an interest in a lot of the employee networks that were available as well. Excellent. That's uh, really good to know. And that's very uh, helpful. Uh, were there opportunities presented such as, um, I don't know, let's say lunch and learns or kind of like short development opportunities as well? Mm, yeah, and I, I think Lunch and Learns, there were there are plenty of those for sure. And also, um, it's great that you mentioned that we also organized Lunch and Learns with the employee network that I was a part of as well. Uh, we did a speaker series and we did Lunch and Learns. And so I actually got to lead a lot of those. Um, so it's funny you mentioned that. But yeah, I, I think there were so many of those that they were almost too numerous to even mention. But as far as, um, you know, the other opportunities that were there, uh, there were also a lot of opportunities that would come in um, semi-formal ways, but that uh, could involve things as simple as, you know, taking on your own leadership opportunities, being the United Way divisional chair, those campaigns uh, for federated health. Uh, those happen 
annually and uh, frequently there's opportunities to also step up into those positions and uh, when volunteers are being recruited it's quite uh, quite common to see uh, a lot of uh, <laughs> OI peers take on those roles with great gusto and I was no exception so I know I learned a lot doing that as well and uh, of course the OIP program does um, connect you to the other interns. And we also had our own informal uh, networks and group chats so that we could also learn from each other because there's so much that you could learn from people working across the OPS and every ministry had its own um, you know, heartbeat. And there was so much that I could learn also working cross-functionally as well. So if I had a um, friend in the policy stream and I was in comms, I could also reach across the island, you know, just uh, using that informal network to also ask questions of them. So I found that a lot of the uh, formal opportunities were certainly scheduled and you'd have them there. But um, more often than not, I found I learned the most by just being curious and seeking out the opportunities that were just everywhere informally. Okay, that's really good. And I guess, I mean, maybe kind of answer this question already, but what would you say in your opinions are the, the biggest benefits of completing the program? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely touched on the fact that I built a lot of relationships with people yes. and those relationships were just key. I think that's one of the, the key things is you meet so many people because as an intern, not only do you get to go uh, to, to meetings and uh, different events and get introduced to people, um, the program gives you a certain sort of... Um, you know, um, I guess, uh, profile, I'll say, and some visibility. So I've definitely made many, many, many um, relationships throughout my time. And these relationships have blossomed into uh, a number of different things. Like, as far as benefits, I've been offered jobs through the relationships that I've made and the contacts that I've made, um, mentorship, a sounding board when I had a problem with an assignment or just needed somebody to give me a fresh perspective or even just a coffee, you know, and the OPS and Ontario Public Service is a big, big place. And so it only makes sense to try and build as many relationships as possible. It just is a, such a collaborative environment too, that it makes all the sense in the world. And when you are in the program as an intern, you have that visibility and that profile and it really does help you to uh, enrich those relationships. I think also another benefit is that it gave me that early exposure to a lot of senior leaders and helped me develop some political acuity. So in other words, the acuity being the judgment and understanding of you know, all the players and around um, government, the issues and how to approach things, how to act. Uh, those are all the things that uh, are sort of soft skills that you pick up by watching, by, you know, gainfully asking questions. And I think that's something that you can develop um, at any point in time in your career in government. But in the OIP, you get a boot camp in it. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest benefits as well, too, just the relationships, the political acuity. And, uh, of course, having the OIP on your resume, it grabs the attention of many hiring managers when you're done the program too. Absolutely, thank you for that. I mean, you've touched on a lot of great benefits and this is a, it's a lot of good things that I'm sure our listeners are happy to hear. Mm -hmm. And I think the logical question that follows after what you said is when you look back 
what impact did the program have on your career overall? Yeah, you know, I, I think it just really kickstarted it <laughs> as far as government is concerned. You know, it's, um, it's an honor to be in the program and uh, the OIP is, it's not, uh, it's not easy to get into it. So you work hard just to get into the program and there's a lot of um, emphasis on the opportunity that you do have in it. So I think once you're, you're in the program, it does sort of kickstart your, your career. You do so much learning and you grow so professionally in such a very short time. So I think for me, it was, um, yeah, it was something that kind of lit that match for me. And as far as my passion for public service, it's uh, without question um, because of that program. Excellent. Um, I mean, you've kind of touched on this before, but maybe uh, we can tease out tease it out a bit more. But um, if you're going to give advice to somebody who wants to apply, apply to the OIP, what would you tell them? Because I think you've mentioned uh, proofreading, passion. Is there anything else that somebody should, you know, kind of know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think proofread, I would say that again. And uh, come to think of it, this is something that it seems so obvious. But if you can help it, don't submit your application, the, the first step, the online portion, the evening, you know, or the morning, it's due. Give yourself enough time to go through it because it is, uh, you know, it, it's very, very likely that uh, if anything is going to go wrong, technically, it'll be, it'll be the day that you're submitting the application. Yep. <laughs> because normally people are trying to get their applications in. You know, we all have the best of intentions. We want to get it in early, but the reality of it is many people are going to try and submit it just ahead of <laughs> the deadline. So yep. you can be sure that you're going to have issues and that uh, servers are going to crash. And I really think that's one of the things that I, I, I would stress is, yes, proofread, but also plan. Make sure that you have enough time to submit it and so that you can rest easy that you get it in on time. I mean, I like that. I think I'd call that like the 3P approach, plan, <laughs> proofread, and passion. I like it. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great, great advice. Um, so you taught professional communications at the School of Public Policy and Administration in York. So based on your experience, what are some useful tips in terms of professional communication etiquette that can help applicants? Good question. Yeah, that is true. I, uh, I, I'm still uh, teaching that course, in fact, now. And uh, mm -hmm. I would say the advice I'm giving to my students now is the exact same advice I would give to applicants uh, for the OIP network. Know thyself. And uh, I'm going to be a little biased here, but develop really broad communication skills. Um, I, when I say network, I think it's very important to do this at all stages of your career, but uh, absolutely it's important to do it if you're going to apply for the program too, because if you think about it, uh, one of the ways that you can take advantage of this virtual you know, uh, setting that we're all finding ourselves in is to try and do some research ahead of time and get a sense of which areas you might wanna work in, uh, get to know uh, some of the people through informational interviews, for example, uh, that will really be helpful even if you don't end up working at those particular ministries or agencies, you at least have done the ground research, right? So I think it's very important to, uh, to do that at all stages of your career, but definitely applicants can uh, benefit from early networking. And as I said, know thyself, like really understand um, what it is that sets you apart so that you can really articulate it. 
uh, not only in terms of how you apply with your cover letter and resume, but when it gets to the point where you are interviewed, you really need to understand and have a, a good solid understanding of your brand, which for me anyways, means what people are going to say about you when you leave the room. You know, it's like developing a pitch that uh, can be there for you, like a good friend at the ready. And uh, that's going to be very helpful to also focus your application. And then the last thing, uh, develop broad comm skills. I, I, I really think this is an interesting one because obviously there are different fields you can go into in government and not everybody is going to go into communications school public policy. We really focus on developing broad communication skills. So as far as professional etiquette, I think that's part of that, uh, that toolkit. You really have to know how to present yourself. So you don't have to be a master um, you know, writer. You're not going to necessarily have to pen the great novel, but you definitely need to be able to communicate clearly and know the tools of your trade. So if you decide you want to go into policy area, for example, you know, what's the language of policy area? You know, maybe it will involve learning uh, Excel. You know, uh, that's something that you should do now and start playing with now. Because uh, what's that they say? Like Malcolm Gladwell said, there's 10,000 hours to become an expert, to become a phenom in something. And so starting now to develop those things and practice the things that you think will be uh, part of your toolkit are really important. So I definitely think um, in terms of the professional communication etiquette that can really help applicants network, know thyself and your brand and develop broad communication skills. Those, those things are really, really vital at all stages of your career. Okay, thank you. I mean, I think really you've uh, actually touched upon our following question, um, you know, doing uh, networking and kind of how do you build your professional, how do you build your professional brand uh, during COVID? But I mean, I think everything you've said there completely applies. And I think it's interesting because it's, you know, we are in a new world and we are at a new time. So, you know, taking the time to maybe do a little reflection for people, I think is a good thing. And like you said, developing those broad communication skills will serve uh, somebody, whether they choose to pursue the public service or, you know, future academic studies or or anything of that nature and professional development. So I, we really, um, you know, appreciate um, the knowledge and all the insight that you've shared. It's, uh, it's excellent. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. It's, it's honestly my pleasure to, uh, to share what I've learned. I think it's a, the program is phenomenal and uh, always happy to give my advice to people. And, and if I can add, I will say, and um, what you just mentioned about the networking during COVID, I think that, there is a lot of opportunity right now. Uh, there's obviously something that is lost when you can't meet face-to-face, -face, but what I, I do like to encourage people to keep in mind is that there are probably more virtual events happening now than ever before. And so you have this ability to network across continents now and to be able to do so without the commute, <laughs> you can meet more people, you can actually um, figure out, you know, how to do it with a lot of uh, things that we have at our disposal. LinkedIn, LinkedIn's a great tool to use to network. You know, you can uh, still do a lot of informational interviews online. I think personally right now, there's a lot of uh, opportunity that arises through um, the pandemic. And so I think for people who are interested in building their network at any stage of their career, you know, you, you have to do the same things that you have 
to do at any time. And it's just happening now in a, a different space, but the opportunities are still there. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Antoinette, for your insight. And it has not only been helpful, but truly impactful um, for our community of policy professionals. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.